Most of you know that I am from the Midwest. And if you know anyone from the heartland, you might agree that they could be described as, you know, humble, hardworking, loyal to their families. But after you listen to today's show, I think you might add one more characteristic to that list. Today's guest is Dr. Keenan Yoho, and we'll be having a conversation with him about operations management and what it means to be strategically bold. Stay with us. Welcome to Permer Connections podcast series. I'm your host, JB Adams. In this series, I'm talking with members of the Crummer community and inviting them to share their accomplishments, challenges, and best career and business advice. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Consistently ranked as the number one MBA in the state of Florida, the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to prepare you to become a global, innovative, and responsible business leader. The Crummer Graduate School of Business experience excellence. Today's guest is Dr. Keenan Yoho, Professor of Operations Management at the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. He has a PhD in operations from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and his specialties include operations and supply chain management. Earlier in his career, he worked at the Rand Corporation in Santa Monica, California, and as a professor at the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey, California. Dr. Yoho, welcome to the show. Thank you, JB. Thanks for having me. Now, Dr. Yoho, uh, our audience is business leaders. Everybody knows that. And your expertise is in operations management. So I have two prompts for you. Operations management, what is it and why is it important, particularly right now? I would say that quite simply, it's the business of how uh, and when things get done. Um, so from a strategic standpoint, it's the way that you execute. So a strategy without uh, an execution approach or an operational strategy um, typically does not uh, go well. So um, that's really what operations is about. It's about how do you get things done? Um, and it involves everything from uh, planning, through uh, execution. So not just how you do things, but where you do things, who does things, when. But I'd say the timing um, is, is a big part of that. And so um, operations is really concerned about the timing because the timing of events is uh, as important as what we do. Daniel Pink uh, wrote a book about this several years ago, um, focused on the question of when, and that we focus so much of our time thinking about what, but rarely thinking about when. Yeah, so uh, I want to share something with you and just get your reaction to it. Um, if I were to ask you the provocative question, who cares? I mean, who is attracted to operations management? Is there a specific type of person that is suited for operations management? And is there a particular type that is not? Um, I'd say that, as I often tell people, look, if you if you want your world to be about good news, rainbows and butterflies, go into marketing. Okay? <laughs> you're just not you're not going to be cut out for operations because we just have to think about um, the, the, the bad things. Right. We're playing. One of the things about operations is thinking about risk and uh, contingencies. So as Dwight D. Uh, Eisenhower once said famously, planning is everything. Plans are nothing. 
Yeah. It's thinking through all the contingencies. Um, that's the value of planning because as uh, another uh, Moltke, the elder, uh, prior to Eisenhower once said is no uh, plan survives first contact with the enemy, mm -hmm. meaning you can plan, but then you hit reality and you have to adapt. And so the planning helps you adapt quickly. So why, who cares? I'll answer that question. And I've kind of led you in the direction of who's cut out for this. You have to be able to think through uh, the bad times or the bad news, or as the early days in the Rand Corporation, they were focused on the questions of thinking about the unthinkable, which was mm -hmm. thermonuclear war. Yeah, what could go wrong? Right. And if there was a thermonuclear war, then then what? Right. So mm -hmm. that that those are the questions. And so if you didn't like thinking about that, if you didn't like thinking about these types of apocalyptic or cataclysmic events, that's not this won't um, be the right area for you. If, however, you really do like thinking through not just how not just about contingencies, but how things get done. Uh, who does them, when they do them, when, where they do them. If you like thinking about execution, if you like taking an idea and giving life to that idea, breathing uh, energy into that idea so that you can actually fulfill or realize the goal, then operations is for you. Um, and if you like problem solving, operations is for you. Well, uh, some may disagree with me, but when I hear about the, the kinds of things you're describing, they sound like uh, great opportunities. And, uh, you know, just given the knowledge that you have in operations to the rest of us, you sound like a fortune teller. All right. In our next topic, we're going to talk about your backstory, and that gives us a chance to get to know you and understand your early business influences. In your intro, I mentioned that you worked at the Rand Corporation, which is in Santa Monica. And then you taught at the Naval Postgraduate School, which is in Monterey. And everyone would listen to that and think that you're from California, but you are not. So tell us where you're from. I'm not. I grew up in the Midwest. So um, I grew up in Bloomington, Indiana, which is uh, a college town where Indiana University is. Um, but it was also a one-time factory town. Um, and uh, it's also um, has a lot of a, a pretty large, large rural population around it. Um, and so that's, you know, where I grew up and went to high school. There were uh, two public high schools in town when I was uh, growing up, and I went to one of those public high schools in Bloomington. And I just want to ask you, because I can relate in many respects, uh, do you think that there is a, a meaning to Midwestern? Do you speak Midwestern? What does that mean to you? Wow, that's a really, you know, freighted, freighted nice one. You. Yes, it's intentionally freighted. Um, you know, there are a lot of stereotypes around Midwesterners. Um, I would say that one uh, kind of defining part of it for me was um, family. People tend to stay there. Yeah. Right. So there's multiple generations, um, you know, in the same place. And many people, members of their families have have only left for war uh -huh. um, and then they come back typically. So in the context of Bloomington, Indiana and uh, your your generation, I'm assuming Generation X, mm -hmm. um, what would you say influenced your early perceptions of business? What were some role models for you? 
You know, I, I really didn't think about business that much when I was a young person growing up. I was very, very interested in music. Um, and I would say that music had the, was one of the biggest transformational uh, parts of my life and led me in um, some very different directions. And it was because my parents bought me a snare drum when I was in fifth grade and uh, got me uh, a drum teacher. And I happened to have a fantastic drum teacher. Yeah. Tell us who it was. Who um, is, uh, was, he's uh, Kenny Aronoff. So he's probably one of the, you know, the most famous and, you know, biggest uh, studio drummers out there. Um, but Kenny was a, uh, a student at Indiana University in the music school at the time. Um, he had a, was in a small apartment uh, there in Bloomington and I would go over and he would, um, you know, introduce me to very fundamental, you know, rudiments in drumming. Very, very, and if you listen to him talk these days, you'll see he's very, very focused on the, the rudiments of, of drumming. And then at the end, he would always uh, throw on a record, an LP, and uh, set me at the drum set and I just got to drum. And so that was really, really an inspiring time. He was full of all the energy that you see today um, in him, uh, very uplifting and inspiring. And that set me off on my path for music, which then led me to a, a, an entire cohort of people that I probably would have never met without music. So music opened doors for you. For, uh, for the sake of people who may not know Kenny Aronoff, um, what acts has he been associated with? Well, his first act, the reason why he could no longer be my drum teacher was he went off to work for an act, uh, Johnny Cougar, then John Cougar, then John Cougar Mellencamp. So that was um, the band that he was with, I guess, the the longest um, after he left Bloomington. And now, of course, he plays in the studio with people from all different genres of music uh, everywhere. And what did you learn by watching Kenny? What did he teach you? He was really passionate um, about what he did. He knew exactly what he wanted to do and um, the kind of, you know, the path that he wanted to be on. And he'll, he'll tell you in his own stories about he had considered classical music. He became a rock musician, um, but he knew what he wanted to do. And he also took risk to do it. You know, he flew out to New York for the, for the I believe it was New York for the audition. Um, and he's and he's written um, you know a, a book about this experience. So I'll leave it to everyone to, to check out his book, um, "Sex, Drums, and Rock and Roll." Um, and so you can read more about his his story. But um, he was just very very focused. He was also um, I guess that was just it. He was just really really encouraging. I knew why I wasn't his best student, but he always made you feel like you were his best student when you were there. And so that's that's kind of a charisma that we see around a lot of people. You know that that um, become that are good leaders, frankly, because they are able to make uh, everyone that's interacting with them feel like they're the only person in the room at that time. And so Kenny had that quality and it was sincere. Is this something that you try to emulate? What's the takeaway for you? What have you applied? Well, I, was, I would just say the next thing was, you know, where I went is I ended up, you know, being able to play in the, you know, the band and, and the, the, you know, the kinds of the concert type of uh, band in my school, because I had a, a fantastic, another a fantastic um, music teacher and the head of the, the bands that, you know, let me in after not a very impressive audition at all, um, but just knew that I was going to work hard. And again, that kind of work ethic I picked up from not just, you know, uh, my drum teacher, but a lot of people in my family who, you know, have just 
I, if you want to come back to our question about what's Midwestern, it's, it's just, you grind it out, right? You, 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 you enter the room humble, usually knowing, or at least believing you're not the, the smartest, fastest, strongest person in the room, but what you're not going to allow to happen is you won't allow anyone to outwork you. And so I think that that was something that I've just always kind of carried forward, knowing that, look, I'm not I wasn't blessed with the kind of, you know, talent that some people have. But when you look at really talented people, if you pull back the curtain, you're going to see they work a lot. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, the biggest thing that I took away. I, I, I apologize. I kind of lost the thread on your on your question. So I hope I answered it. <laughs> No apology necessary. And actually, uh, if I may say, the apology, how Midwestern of you. That um, is almost uh, Canadian. <laughs> almost Canadian. Um, but I'm saying that as a fellow Midwesterner, and uh, and I can completely relate to mm -hmm. just the, the uh, idea that you put in the hours, you put in the time. Um, our guest is Dr. Keenan Yoho, and we'll be back in a moment to learn more about his professional journey. Please stay with us. Hey listeners, this is Clara Mount, host of VMG's original series, Replay. In the next few weeks, I'll be hosting the Crummer Hour, where we'll invite today's Crummer Connections guests to return so they can respond to questions and comments from the Crummer community. We would love to include your thoughts as well. Send us a question or a comment and we'll read your name on the air. You can email me at clara at victormediagroup.co. Look for a link in the show notes and thanks so much. This is JB Adams with an important message. As a member of the Crummer community, you know it's the people that you meet at Crummer who make the greatest difference in your career. So I wanna tell you about Rollins Connect. It's a networking platform that will help you stay connected to over 40,000 Rollins alumni worldwide. Rollins Connect is coming soon and we'll have more details about it in the coming weeks. That's Rollins Connect, your connection to the Crummer community. Welcome back to Crummer Connections. I'm JB Adams. Our guest is Dr. Keenan Yoho, Professor of Operations Management. So we want to learn more about your career journey. You said you grew up in a college town and had an interest in music, but you, uh, you did not go to college right away after high school. Is that right? I went into uh, the National Guard, mm -hmm. uh, the Army National Guard, so went off to basic training, was in a, in a National Guard unit in Indiana, and then I eventually went to Temple University and I moved to Philadelphia and uh, Wait, was I in a, a question. So mm -hmm. um, your time in the National Guard, did that help pay for school? Yes, it did somewhat. Yes, it did. So there was a GI Bill, it was fairly modest at the time. I don't know, it was around $200 a month. Okay, uh, I had a good friend uh philip who graduated high school with me who also got the gi bill and what was remarkable to me was that he was starting college at about the same time that i was finishing college so is that true for you too yes i was a i think i was a 23 year old freshman yeah so yes so i was a little older than some of my peers um there at the school and if i if i may venture probably a little more mature I don't know if I would venture out that far on that branch. It gets thin uh, very soon. So, um, yeah, I just I maybe had some different experiences. Maybe I'll say that. OK, well, tell us about one of those. Um, well, I think that um, 
I mean, that, that, so, I mean, Temple University opened up so many doors to me, but I, I can start with one of the first doors that I chose to go through when I arrived there for orientation. And so I arrived at Temple. Um, I wasn't that good of a student, really, uh, as a high schooler. And so um, I arrived there, you know, on regular track at Temple and, um, uh, actually, I was on. I was admitted on probation, so I had to kind of prove myself when I came there. So uh, they were basically going to give me, I think, a one semester or something, and if I did okay, then I could stay. So I went to orientation, and they released us at orientation to go to lunch. And as I was um, headed to lunch, I walked by this door that said honors orientation. And so they looked like they were just getting ready to start. And I was curious, you know, who's in here. And so I walked in and I sat down and I sat, instead of eating lunch, I sat through honors orientation. And at the end of that orientation, I went up to um, the, the, the person running the, the orientation and said, I'm really interested in the honors program. And I happened to be carrying a physical copy of my transcripts and uh, I don't remember if I had a resume in there or not, but she said, okay, well, why don't you come back, uh, you know, and see me at 4.15 after everything's over during the day, all the campus tours and everything. And so I did, and I went to her office and, you know, she had my packet sitting there in my folder and she said, well, you know, you really don't fit the profile of the honors program. And I said, yeah, I know, I know I don't. Um, but I would really appreciate it if you take a chance on me for the following reasons, you know, and I, I told them, told her a little bit about how I'd taken time between high school and coming to Temple University and some of the things I had done and that I was very, very dedicated. And she, not unlike uh, my, um, you know, band instructor back at uh, my high school, she took a chance on me and she admitted me and you know, I, I got a 4.0 that term. Um, I think that my faculty members liked me. I was engaged and I really loved my peer group there. So what, what possesses you to walk through the door and say, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to sit in this honors orientation and I'm going to ask to participate in it. She could have kicked you out. What possessed me to do that? I think that, you know, she did a fantastic job of selling the program. I knew I was going to be in smaller classes. I was going to be with highly motivated students. And I was highly motivated um, because I had just sold everything that I owned to move out to Philadelphia and live in a small apartment on a sleeping bag uh, with a milk crate and a piece of plywood that I found in an alley that I used to fashion a desk out of. So I was kind of all in, you know, and, and I had, I think, one month's rent uh, in addition to my month that I'd paid in my deposit in my pocket. And that was it. So I knew already that I'd pushed all my chips into the center and I wanted the best possible education and experience that I could get. So I wanted, you know, the, the best faculty and I wanted the best peer group. And what I mean by that is just people who are switched on and are going to work. And, and when you're around people like that, they push you. Um, and because they're pushing you, um, the additional hard work that you're doing doesn't seem quite as hard. If that makes sense. And, and to, to use another, I mean, to use another reference, um, would you say that this is a burn the ships mentality? Did you have other options or? No, 
No, other than go back, you know, with your tail between your legs to the Midwest, which, you know, that's a very un-Midwestern thing to do. <laughs> you and I could talk for hours because uh, I've got a parallel story for everyone that you share. Um, but in this same vein, being bold, uh, you you have another one. And I, and I want our listeners to hear what I consider the parallel to this story. So that opportunity to be in the honors program <clears throat> was another real transformative um, part because I got a just a fantastic education um, with, again, really inspired faculty members, really inspired students. You know, I realized, look, I'm going to have to find another gear here if I'm going to um, perform at the level these folks want me to perform. So that was fantastic. At the same time, I was in the National Guard and I was on a drill weekend. And um, at that drill weekend in the evening, there was a colonel, I believe, having a birthday party. And it was, um, uh, I won't say exactly where it is to protect the innocent, but it was, uh, they allowed our unit to go to this uh, birthday party and we could go and you know raise a toast to the, the person um, having the birthday and then we were to leave okay because you know I, again I was a junior enlisted person at the time and we were asked to leave after one drink so we did that and I, I really liked what I saw there it was a really interesting place there's some interesting people and so as everyone was going out the door I thought the only way I'm going to be able to stay here is if I get a job and no one's the only person that's going to get you know get me a job is myself so um I jumped behind the bar and um I started making helping out and making drinks and um and making drinks for folks. And as the night goes on, there's just a, a few people sitting around the bar and they were about, you know, what would be my, my parents' age at the time. And they're asking me, um, you know, what am I doing? Which unit am I in? Where did I come from? And so I kind of told them my story about coming from Indiana and moving out there and I'm at Temple and I'm in the honors program. And, and, uh, and, and at the end of the night, one of the gentlemen slipped you know, slides his card across the bar and he says, come and see me here at eight o'clock on Monday. So, okay. Um, I get up, you know, I get dressed nicely as, you know, my nicest clothes that I had at the time. And I went down to this address and it was, a, it he, was didn't, he didn't tell you what, what for, he just said, meet me. No, he just said, meet me. I mean, I knew his name and everything and I had this address. And so I just, I just showed up. I had no idea what I was going to be walking into. And, um, and so I showed up and it's the U.S. Customs House. And so um, uh, on Second Street uh, there in Philadelphia. And so I go in, the guards there, I say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here to see uh, this gentleman. He checks his clipboard. My name's on the list. He said, OK, um, hold on a second. He called up and then this gentleman came down and got me and took me upstairs and proceeded to introduce me to everyone that worked there um, in the Office of Enforcement at U.S. Customs. Um, all the different types of work that they were doing. Um, and I met, you know, all the, the special agents um, and uh, everyone who was working administratively to keep that um, that office humming and you know allow the, the customs to do their work so at the end of this i don't know i was there more than an hour a couple of hours it seemed and uh, at the end he brought me over and sat me down at a desk across from his and he said so what do you think and i said well this is amazing you know this is a really incredible 
um, place and the work that you're doing is really, really exciting. And I have to also just say, I was, a, I was an intelligence analyst uh, in, the, in the National Guard. And so um, he said, um, great, so, um, you know, do you want the job? And it was only at that moment that I realized that I had been interviewing um, for at least the past one and a half to two hours. And I was probably interviewing back at that yeah, bar too. That bar. And I didn't know, I didn't know it. Um, and I'd passed the first interview essentially at the bar. Um, and this was the second or third interview. <laughs> and so um, I said, yes, of course. I said, uh, when do I start? He said, right now. And I said, okay, wh where do I sit? And he said, right there. And so, you know, that was an apprenticeship for me um, for over three years. So needless to say, I put in my notice at the record store. And so that was, again, an incredible transformative experience, met all kinds of new people, um, did really, really exciting, um, relevant, <laughs> timely, uh, global work. Um, and so that was that was the next opportunity where, again, someone took a bit of a chance on me um, and I just tried to make sure that uh, I did not in any way um, make them regret it. Well, I have more questions for you, but the first one is this. What's your takeaway from this experience that other people could apply? If someone takes a chance on you, don't let them regret it. And that goes back to never be let anyone outwork you. And if it's not something that you decide that you want to do, be very transparent with that person. Be very thankful and and exit gracefully, um, you know, with notice and with a clean handoff. Well, I want to point something else out, too. When you were at that birthday party and made the conscious decision to stay and slip behind the bar you weren't just doing that for fun. There was an agenda there. And so what do you think is the message of that? Like, I'm just doing this on a lark? No, you had something in mind. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I saw that there were really, really, um, that there were some, that there were some different people there that I had never seen or met before. You know, as a good friend of mine uh, that I met uh, just, gosh, it's been a decade now um, at uh, U.S. Special Operations Command uh, said every day is selection. And so that you are always interviewing. And so just never forget that <laughs> every day is selection and you are always interviewing. Yeah, uh, I would remind everyone of that. that you don't get a chance to uh, take a break or. Uh you know, slough off because every day that you're inter interacting with other people, you are making an impression on them that either makes them want to work with you more or work with you less. Yeah. Uh, my, here's my follow-up. Is it in your nature to be bold? And is there ever a downside? Is there ever a time when being bold didn't work or had a negative effect? You know, um, let me address that last one first. Um, probably yes but none that I remember. <laughs> that's part of your nature too. And that's, I think, partly because I think that regret tends to follow what we didn't do. Mm. And so I don't, you know, I, I mean, are there things that I've done that I regret? Of course, you know, of course there are. Um, 
but I think some of the big regrets um, through that, that follow you, that haunt you and hunt you throughout the rest of your days are those things that you didn't do, that you decided not to go through that door because you were embarrassed or you were afraid or you thought you weren't worthy. Um, those are the things that I think will, will haunt you. And so, again, this Midwestern aspect, I mean, you know, we weren't raised to think that, again, that we're the smartest, fastest, strongest person in the room. Right. There's that certain kind of, you know, humility and self-deprecation and 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 really just, you know, hey, we're not we're not the big shots. Right. The big shots are in New York and Los Angeles. Yeah. You're, you live in Indiana. That's not where the big shots are. So um, but I think that um, I mean, just just kind of uh, uh, coming back to this and redirect me if, I, if I'm veering off because I got at that last one first, which was about the, the things that I didn't do. But the boldness is in my, in my nature. Not really. I, don't, I mean, I don't think so. I wouldn't think of myself as a bold person, but I think that I've done. I've made some decisions that are bold. You know, I um, well, I think I can I think I can put it together I'm putting together what you just said with what you said earlier about operations management, strategically bold. In other words, from an operations point of view, you have weighed the options, looked at all the potential paths and made a decision like this path is going to work for me. You, you got a calculation in mind that this is going to work. Is, is that fair to say? Did I, did I hit the nail on the head? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I, I will accept that. And I think that there was another part that there was, um, I don't know if I'd call it an intuition, but there was a, there was there was something about that path that I valued as well. There was a mission there that attracted me, um, and for me, um, the 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 mission has to be right in order for me to do my best work. So, um, and that, I think that's you know part of the reason why I'm I'm in in higher ed is because you know I believe in the mission of of education. Excellent. Um... Dr. Yoho, we are about to wrap up our time together. Um, what message would you like to give to the Crummer community today? Oh, there's so many messages I guess I, I could give. Stay uh, curious and, and keep learning because that's what's going to make, not only it'll make your life um, richer, but it's also going to make you more interesting to other people. And again, that goes back to point one about just, you know, to keep moving um among those who push you and inspire you absolutely uh great advice not just for midwesterners but for all of us uh dr keenan yoho thank you for joining us on crummer connections and sharing your story thank you jb i appreciate it thanks for listening we'll be back again soon with another episode today's show is brought to you by the crummer graduate school of business at rollins college now is a great time to consider enhancing your career success by pursuing an advanced degree in business. And the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to help you become a global, innovative, responsible business leader. To learn more about the programs and the application process, go to crummer.rollins.edu. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. Crummer Connections podcast series is a production of Victor Media Group. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, please follow us on your favorite social media platform. 
Today's show was created and hosted by J.B. Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell, with production assistance by Kyle Sawyer and audio design by Aaron Trinka. Our gratitude goes out to Mike Brown and Loveland Finley in Alumni Relations for their gracious help and support. Until next time, Fiat Lux.